welcome to the 24-7 Sports College Football Podcast with your hosts Chip Patterson and Barton Simmons. The ultimate insider's guide from signing day to the national championship game and everything in between. CBS Sports presents the 24-7 Sports College Football Podcast. And welcome back to the 24-7 Sports College Football Podcast. Happy Sunday afternoon, happy Sunday evening, Monday morning, whenever you are taking some time out of your day to join us. We appreciate you doing that. Chip Patterson, Barton Simmons, week seven in the books, four top ten teams going down, carnage everywhere. Um, and I just, you know, I, I don't know exactly, um, I, don't, I, I feel like, Barton, the, the theme that I'm trying to, to spread and the message that I'm trying to spread it's, I feel like we just need to buckle up and enjoy the ride because doesn't it seem like we're going to have four top ten teams lose probably each of the next three weeks? This was a God, I love college football kind of weekend. Oh, you, you called know, like, it. You said it was a heads going to roll weekend. Heck yeah, and they rolled. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, yeah, I'll, we'll take some credit for that. Knowing that was coming, uh, we even called a couple of the upsets. I think and. So yeah, man, it was it was it was all you want out of a college football Saturday. Some some upsets, some near upsets, some survivals. Some and and at this point, I don't know how much we like are just totally changing our perception of a team. It's just sort of the just sort of the peaks and valleys and hurdles of a season are, are starting to starting to pop up and it's hard to go undefeated. It's hard to win every game and uh we saw that we saw that uh, play out this weekend. This weekend, uh, and, and to pull the curtain back just a little bit, um, this Barton this weekend had me sort of putting uh, any of our playoff segments on the back burner. You know what I'm saying? Oh yeah. Where I was like, oh n- no, we can't do that yet. We got some football left to play before I feel like like we were, people were talking about their playoff picture. I felt like a lot coming out of last weekend, and I really hope that this was a good reminder that um, we we still have a lot of pieces that need to fall into place. Like I, when the playoff rankings come out, it will be the Tuesday before we get into that November third collision course weekend where we have uh, you know Alabama at LSU. I believe we've got Stanford Washington is that weekend whole host of great games on that November 3rd weekend and and certainly that will that will alter the playoff picture but between now and then man let's let's, let's still enjoy these uh these insane college football games this was the first weekend where you know we have to turn in our our poll to CBS for like the CBS 130 that we rank and and this is the first weekend cuz like up up to now you sort of you know, you go off of what you're seeing, but you can't put this team above that team because that team beat this team, and you got to have that. You know, you sort of have to manipulate it to make sure it makes sense based on head-to-head matchups and and what teams have earned too. This is the first weekend where you can just kind of throw that out. There's enough chaos that's taking place now. You can just say, all right, we're week seven. This is what I think based on what I've seen. Forget the week two upset loss to whoever. This is uh, it's it's now time to just start like using the eyes and figuring out who is the best team in the country. Uh, even though there are some, some programs that will continuously uh, make us look silly on that front. Cough, cough, Michigan state, cough, cough, dude. Do you, all right. <laughs> so one, I'm, um, I was at uh, LSU, Georgia, and we were doing the, uh, the tailgate thing beforehand, by the way, Barton shout out to uh, shout out to Kyle. He is a listener. He pointed me out. He flagged me down. Came up, said what up. He, I was very appreciative. Uh, it's very cool that he listens. And uh, and there were and he was one of a couple people. Man, the the listeners are out there. They're enjoying it. So we, I just I wanted to, yeah, I want to follow that up with a thank you to the listeners. Yeah, let us know. We're we're out here. Let us uh, holler at us if you see us. Yeah. Uh, and and you know this is a this was the right weekend to catch us because everybody's feeling good about us freaking rolling through the locks. Uh, Announcement, ladies and gentlemen, for those of you who don't listen to Locks Pod, I'm sorry for you because Chip just rolled out an eight no <laughs> MF in week. <laughs> uh, I think we went eighteen and five for the or yeah, eighteen, 18 and three. And five, I think eighteen and three was that it was yeah. eighteen and three. 
Something like that. Anyways, we had a we had a good. It was a good week for the locks. Great week. Lock Unity cashed. The Menage Lock cashed. It was a it was a great weekend for locks. So, all right, I I preface all that just to get it, bring us back to uh, Michigan State, Penn State, because one of the things that you're going to hear throughout this podcast is going to be uh, m- me trying to figure out, you know, whether this is a whether this is a three alarm situation, a four alarm situation. You know, like how how concerned should we be? You mentioned Michigan State, but I wanted to throw it to you, especially since you know you you know this team, you know this program pretty well. Um, what happened to Penn State in this game? Oh man, I, I'll, I'll I'll be honest with you. Right before we, I didn't watch any of the game because the whole there was a lot of good games going on all the time, and I didn't watch any of it because the whole time Penn State was just seven to you know fourteen to seven. You just figure they're gonna, fi- you know, they'll end up winning it. And they're then, playing at home, and yeah, they're playing like, at home, yeah, off a of bye week, and yeah, okay, so it's getting ugly and messy, but whatever, they'll figure out a way to win it. And then, and then I think there was like this was a bad week for the like ESPN percentage chance of win <laughs> deal. <laughs> Shout out to Northwestern <laughs> Nebraska also. In that all thing. Of, yeah, <laughs> there, there was a few of them. Penn State had to, had it. Uh, you know, it was like 91% or 98 Who knows? It was in the 90s with like a minute and a half left, uh, and and they lost. So I'm not sure how – if there's if there's a bunch of the games in the 90s percentile chance of win that lose, I'm not sure what that says about the math that's going on over there behind the, the walls at ESPN. But all that to say is before this call, I've been I've been going through the one of the like condensed game deals on YouTube uh, just to get a little bit of a feel for what happened. And – Shout out to I, all I, of you who upload those, by the way. No doubt. And, I, <laughs> yeah. and by the way, the thing that's really that, that, that like I love is the Big Ten games in sixty or whatever. Like on the Big Ten Network, they play uh, they condense the games to to an hour. Oh just yeah, catch up. The, catch those during the week. Like when we're sitting around doing work on like a Tuesday or something, you'll be able to catch up on that for sure. Yeah, I got my I'm, I'm I got that loaded up in the queue. But anyways, so. My takeaway for this deal is look, A, of course Michigan State did this. You right. just like you can't I, I don't I don't understand it. I don't understand how you can look that bad and then go and, and, and beat a team like Penn State. I don't understand how you can I mean Michigan State's not been impressive once this year. And and then they go in and win. Now granted, they had a you know, they had like a halfback pass for a touchdown. They had I mean, they had some fluky stuff that that took place, and the, but they kept it close. But I, I think ultimately my takeaway, as I watched it back, is this is still, this is not a Penn State team that is can overwhelm you with talent. They've got to they got to outplay you, and I I think we're getting closer to a point. We kind of talked about this from the Ohio State game. We're getting closer to a point where Penn State maybe can overwhelm some teams with talent, but ultimately right now they're just it's not a they can't just suffocate people. Um, and they didn't do that against Michigan State. They let them hang around. And Michigan State found a way, like Michigan State always does. Do you know who I think? Obviously, Penn State, not a winner. Not only not a winner in the game, but uh, not really a winner in the winner-loser standpoint. But what do you think about this? I would be more nervous if I was a Michigan fan about this coming up game against Sparty than I am now because I don't know if Michigan State has two of those wins in a, in a row. You would be nervous as a Michigan fan. If with- Michigan State had lost to Penn State as opposed to Michigan State beating Penn State, where now as a Michigan fan, I'm like, oh, Michigan State can't do that two, two weeks in a row. I'm, I mean, I agree i i will be it's, it's going to be really hard for me to figure out how michigan state wins this game against michigan this week and yet who the hell knows oh uh, man I mean, you you you're really you're really tilted on this no michigan no i state. mean like i trust me but i'm just like i'm not gonna bet it i'm yeah. not gonna pick it because just i don't like how, how could you ever trust this michigan state team to be good or bad i just don't know i mean this is the type this will be They'll have them at home, you know. They'll 
I, I don't. I mean, I, I think Michigan is a lot better than Michigan State. I think Michigan is a lot more talented. I think Michigan can overwhelm Michigan State in a way Penn State is was incapable of. And yet, I'm I you know I'm done trying to guess what Michigan State is. All right. So what what uh, did you get a lot of eyes on Michigan? Enough. <clears throat> I, my takeaway there, really. I mean, look. I think the Michigan. First of all, feeling, you know, kind of, kind of can creep out of my my hole once again for my my playoff predictions. I mean, if you're a one loss team and your only one loss is to Notre Dame, which might be in the playoff or at least in the top ten, that's a playoff resume. I would say Michigan. You got to feel as good as anyone in the country in terms of chances to get in with one loss, as Michigan. Meaning, I could. It's not hard to envision them winning out and winning a uh, a Big Ten championship, and then I think they're clearly in. You just got to be willing to double debt. Like you just got to be prepared to think that they can go into the horseshoe and win. Right, and obviously that's not easy. But I think that they're showing us that. I mean, look, that was they dominated Wisconsin, and 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 I think what we're what to me what we're seeing is just a Michigan team. Like Shea Patterson isn't hasn't been some Heisman candidate we're just finally seeing them with a competent quarterback like they're just they you don't ever you don't have to worry about the quarterback for right. once we don't you just don't have to worry about the quarterback and that's what we for the I feel like forever with Michigan we just we're always just worried about the quarterback just don't don't screw it up uh and 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 now they've got a quarterback that can make plays right and that's uh, I mean that's the difference between a Jake Rudock and a Shea Patterson and Jake Rudock was a very good Michigan quarterback. Didn't he yep. take him like ten win season? Um, no, I I I think the difference is uh, Shea Patterson's and man, I, I the seven thirty start time kind of like I I was really hoping that that game would get the like an hour later. I would have been able to get more of it, but like I don't know. Are we are we seeing Shea Patterson start to step up into his own a little bit? Start to seize a little bit more control have bring bring a little bit of juice to that position right now i don't know i mean he still only threw for 124 yards and not that he had to do more than that but he's that's the thing is like he's not it's not like they're putting it on his shoulders and that's probably a good thing but and in some ways this michigan team is just it's everything it wants to be right now by with the with the way it can out physical teams that the offensive line has really come together and they're really, you know, moving defenses and, you know, it's Michigan rush for 320 yards with, you know, like eight different guys, nine different guys carrying the football. And so all those things I think encourage you, but this isn't some different, that's what I'm saying. Like this isn't some different team with Shea Patterson, at, like, like running some like freewheeling, high flying offense. He could just he can just hit those big shots. He can he can roll out and make a play. He's just he's just he's just comfortable and, and solid and good. But he's he's not it's not the Shea Patterson show. And so and like I mean and I do think we should probably be careful with this win a little bit because we talked about earlier in the year. I mean Michigan can overwhelm teams who they're more athletic than and they were more athletic than Wisconsin. I think there's no better representation in that than Shea Patterson ripping off an 80-yard run. Shea mm. Patterson's an athlete. I mean, Shea Patterson is an athletic quarterback, but when... Ohio when State chases 80, him down. Yeah. Ohio State's chasing him down a little earlier than 80 yards. I'm just right. saying that, you know? Yeah, yeah, and, yeah. And so I do think this Wisconsin team is was partially exposed. I mean, I, can't, I, I'm, 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 I am surprised. That, like, Fernelli's... Um, thought process on picking Wisconsin to cover I thought was sound that they just they always do cover oh uh, this is a different Wisconsin team right so that's the question so what's is this a is this more of a different Wisconsin team or more of a different Michigan team probably is just is it just e- like evenly both a, a notch above or below the where they typically are I need I need to get in my full film review but I yeah. will say that my instant take is that it's a different Wisconsin team and that this Michigan team, like I again, there there are the frustrations that fans have had with Jim Harbaugh and the hangups that they've had. But like to take a uninvested view at it, 
there have been two seasons where a couple breaks go differently and Michigan is playing for the Big Ten championship. Like, yeah, no, I agree with that. That's, that's like yeah. the and that team is probably at that level too. Like, or this team is probably at that same level. Like, yes, this is this is un, probably the third uh, third time that Jim Harbaugh has had a, a really really good Michigan team, but the expectations are so high for him that it's only going to be determined as a success or failure. Probably like even if like forget Big Ten championship, just Ohio State, and because you're on I, that measuring stick, it's just different. But and I, I look at that. I'm like, this Michigan team's one of the good ones. This Wisconsin team is a definite step back from the level that we had seen that team be playing at for the last three years. Yeah, I mean, they they go on. I mean, I think Michigan State, in some ways, by them beating Penn State, now Michigan State. Now we can look at the Michigan State game next week and say that game can tell us something about Michigan because it is on the road, and that's been the other bugaboo is winning big games on the road. And they win that one. They get a bye week. And they go to Penn State, and then they got a, you know, then then next next thing up is last week of the season, Ohio State, with a couple of, you know, a couple wins in between. I so, got a quick take from the hip. I think Michigan loses one more regular season game. I mean, it wouldn't shock me, but I do think that if you're Michigan, you're feeling pretty good right now. Sure, that, that defense is pretty stout. And it's going to be hard for it's going to be hard for these teams they play to score on them. And so if that if that offense can keep on putting points on the board, they're going to be tough to beat. Talking about Shea Patterson ripping off an eighty yard run, what do you think about uh, slow motion slow mo Joe Burrow <laughs> running free on a couple of plays against Georgia? All right, let's get into that. Game. I mean, what what was the what was the biggest takeaway for you in that game? Um, DBU number one. Like yeah. Christian Fulton, goodness, yeah, and they had, they had DBs like your like boy Grant, the rafters. Yeah, your boy Grant Delpit was all over the field, um, and like Battle was really really good. Drop it, like, like Greedy Williams is the best NFL. I don't know about I mean because Delpit's only a sophomore, but you know Greedy Williams is the guy who's like the headliner, and I kind of felt like it was everybody. I mean, some of that probably because you don't throw it greedy, but you know he was like that that whole. That whole defensive backfield was just unbelievable. Uh, did you hear or read about the adjustment that LSU had from the like right after the beginning of that game? Like, no. Georgia comes out bowling them over. DeAndre Swift, Elijah Holyfield, popping off like six yards of carry on their first ten or twelve, um, first ten or twelve rushing attempts. Ed Odron said that. He was like, we made an adjustment, and the reporter follows up. He goes, what was the adjustment? And Ed Rose, oh, you want me to tell you? And the reporters are kind of laughing. It was a jovial mood, as you would expect. And they're like, yeah, tell us. And he starts breaking it down. And, you know, just to, to simplify it, it was just a, a defensive line adjustment. They were shading one way. They decided to shade the other way. They decided to mix up some of their linebacker calls so that they were playing a little bit faster instead of, uh, getting caught out of position and all of a sudden man like those those six seven yard runs those 11 yard runs that Georgia had like one ju- adjustment you know Dave Aranda credit obviously I'm sure uh, as well as Ed Ogeron but like that whole defensive front solidified and Jake Fromm didn't play well and I can't figure out right now and it probably won't be able to be figured out until we see Georgia continue along this this tough sort of stretch here this this four game stretch I don't know if Jake Fromm is I don't know if it's a coaching play calling or just an execution thing but like Barton to me Jake Fromm like doesn't Jake Fromm does not look right does that make sense I mean, he starts off two for 10 and he's missing guys and he's letting balls hang. That's interesting. I mean, I, one of the, one of the, my big hangups on Georgia has sort of been what they're, what they're missing is, and maybe this is the offense or maybe this is the way they developed them. Or I, I don't know. I mean, you'd think they've got the player, but I, I don't know who you point to and say, that's their, that's their bell cow receiver. And I think when you talked about LSU's DBs, and they kind of locked those guys up. I'm curious if you think it was that that was more the case. And, and it sounds like you're pu- putting a little more of it 
the onus on on Jake Fromm making some plays. I am because they they had some he missed some throws. Yeah, that was that was I mean that early on especially that was one of my first notes that I took down from the press box. Like, well, look, they lost now, and so I think finally now it, it's it, and when they lost in the game, Jake Fromm didn't play that well. So I think finally we're, we're allowed to to raise the the debate. Did you, you see know? Kirby Smart bring Justin Fields out for one play, then put him back on the sideline? I did. I saw it, and I was like, because I kind of flipped over to it, and I was like, all right, Justin Fields in. What would I miss? All right, it looks like looks like they're rolling with Fields, and then he handed it off, or you know, gave on a on his own read and tried it right back out. I mean, it. It will. I I didn't like it at all because no joke. There were a ton of Georgia fans that were there at the stadium in the game. A lot of red. Like the it's upper a, it's a hell of an effort by them. Upper deck was very very red on the side opposite of me, dude. I saw. I was talking to some Georgia fans uh, downtown Baton Rouge on Friday night. So they had a hustle set up that probably. That I mean, I'm sure they were exaggerating. But I would say even eliminating their exaggerations, like we could be talking about like thousands of Georgia fans that spent the weekend in New Orleans and had charter buses take them to the game. Hell yeah, why not? Dude, it was inc- they all came in hot and it was great <laughs> energy from them. Much respect to the Georgia fans. But so anyway, Justin Fields comes out and you hear an ovation. Now it's yeah. not like an LSU first down ovation, but it's like the um, let's honor the soccer team for winning the conference ovation kind of stuff. Like you like look up, you're like, oh my gosh, here comes Justin Fields. The crowd's going crazy. And then like you right. mentioned, one handoff, you know, some spot service there. I it didn't sit well with me. And yeah, if 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 Jake Fromm's just not right, if if things aren't clicking, I mean the Demetrius Robertson on the play where he caught it near the sideline, it would have had them down at like the six yard line. He fell out of bounds and bobbled the ball. Like, yeah, he he probably could have secured that. There is some, you know, some some pointing to Demetrius Robertson, but I felt like the ball was underthrown and he had to come back and get it. Like he had his man beat, and that was going to be maybe even a touchdown. And that was one of several throws early where it's just like, man, this this is not being effective. And I caught some flack for it because I was on the CBS Sports HQ halftime show cutting in to uh, the Georgia passing game. Georgia fans took a lot of offense to it, tried to put it all on LSU's DBs. I I credit the LSU DBs. I agree. They were unbelievable. But I also think that, uh, that I, the reason that Georgia was never going to come back into that game is because there just wasn't going to be anything that was going to be working from the passing game. And third and long was just not a successful situation for that team against LSU. I'll say this about the game. I I came away feeling like LSU I mean LSU looked like, like it wasn't like it was there was no doubt. I mean LSU looked like the better team, but I also came away thinking like all right, these are two really good really talented good football teams. LSU's just better today. And whether they're better every day, I don't know, but they're they're better today. I didn't leave feeling like Georgia is some flawed, deficient team. I, I just felt like LSU had their number, um, and and that's and I, and I mean that that's taking anything away from LSU. I think LSU, like this LSU, is is sort of the pie in the sky, best case scenario, all our hopes and dreams of what LSU becomes with Ed Ogeron as the coach. Yeah, dude, the ghost of Les Miles was hovering around that game. But the thing about this LSU team is like it's it's all this it's the same talent, the same because LSU always played hard under Les Miles. It's the same talent, it's the same energy, enthusiasm, and and yet there is it's an offense that doesn't feel like it's playing with its its two hands around its throat. Sure, you know it's an offense yeah, yeah, yeah. that feels like it's looser. It's they they actually are working to get the ball in the hands of their playmakers. They actually are taking shots. They actually are, and the offensive line has been one of the stories of the season, I think, the way the, off- the LSU offensive line has played. So I, I just look at this team, and I, I, I mean, like those guys those guys seem to be really bought in and playing really hard for Ed Ogeron. And and he's got and, – and I couldn't be more impressed with Steve Ensminger and Dave Aranda is Dave Aranda. And I, I just – that was sort of my takeaway. Less of a Georgia has problems, more of a 
LSU looks like the real deal, guys. Uh, two last takeaways from that game. Foster Moreau, after the game, he said, uh, you know, we have coordinators that put together game plans, and they incredibly, like, tactile, detailed game plans, and they are paid very – Even I mean, this is Foster Moreau talking about his own coordinators. Right. He said you know, they are even paid very well. He said, what role does that leave for the head coach? Um, the head coach needs to make sure we are mentally, emotionally, and physically ready. And the tiny things that he does every, every day I've spent with Ed Ogeron, he's, he has gotten us in the right mindset that we need to go out to compete and win. I thought that was cool. It was, it yeah, was, yeah, I heard that. I heard that soundbite. That was, um, yeah. that you was cool. believed. You could tell yeah. he believed in the dude. And, uh, the second thing is Joe, like Joe Burrow looked like Jordan Jefferson. They were running those option plays and he was just like the, the stuff that Joe Burrow did the best in that game to me was not move the ball down the field with his arm. Yeah. It's, it's just, it's, it is, uh, he was, he is fiery and you know this, I mean, you've been championing the guy for a long time, but like he, that like big fist pump after he gets it in on the quarterback sneak, he's always trying to get them to the line to be able to go for the quick snap. I mean, LSU went four for four on fourth down. Yeah, I saw that. Yeah, I mean, he, he but he, he's he's just good enough at everything. He's just he's just accurate enough. He has just big enough arm. He's just athletic enough. Because I didn't think he had a great game passing either. No, but he's but but he's you cannot like you can't just like load the box and dare him to throw. That's the thing. Like LSU is very balanced this year, and and part of that is is a really talented receiving group. But I think you got to give credit to a running back core that's. that's oh man, yeah, that, they were you know, good. Played, played above themselves, but based on what we expected. A hundred percent. Let's see what else did I have on my my list of things to ask Barton about. Oh, uh, to take it all the way back, let's. I want to do TCU and Texas. So TCU first. Uh, I had an early morning flight. I didn't stay up for everything, but all right, like, are we are we just selling TCU stock fat like hard and fast right now? Yeah, I feel like it's well. I don't know if I mean their stock is the stock price is pretty low right now, but uh, I'm I'm dumping it. I mean, we got we I picked them to be over seven wins preseason win total, right? Um, and I'm not going to count them out for being able to come up with something else down the stretch here. I mean, but it didn't. It's not a pretty thing what's going on right now. I mean, that was a home weeknight game that they just couldn't move the ball uh, against Texas Tech. And so, what do they got? I mean, they got three wins right now. They're three and three. They'll be Kansas. I think they'll be Kansas State. Uh, I think they got at least one more in them. So, they'll, I mean, I, I still think they'll get to seven. I don't know, man. Just, Kansas State showed some life. Looks like Kansas State's beating Oklahoma State. I'm back to thinking that some of the Big 12 might stink. Yeah, you're right. I mean, there's who who the hell knows? Yeah, but I, I just I can't I can't. Oh yeah, I don't like. I mean, I don't. I don't yeah, like I, a bad TCU. It doesn't sit well with me. No, no, <laughs> not it's, one uh, bit. And it's not. Yeah, and it's it's just <laughs> ugly right now. Offensively, I don't know. Sean Robinson just doesn't seem like the same. He's not, he's not playing with the same confidence he played with against Ohio State. Um, and it was funny. Like we they, as they couldn't score. It's just so funny how like quickly perceptions can change. I remember us talking after the Ohio State game about how um, uh, Sonny Lubick and, and – or uh, Sonny Cumbie, sorry. Uh, Sonny Cumbie and uh, Gary Patterson were like the best offense-defense combo in the country. And look, not that, that one game makes it, but it's like it, the perspective is certainly different right now with them really struggling to move the football against uh, Texas Tech. 100%. Um, all right, so Sam Ellinger, we got some news uh, as we were getting set here to record. Uh, shoulder issue. They're going to go through some rehab. It looks like they're going to try to bring him back. They have a bye week coming up uh, in week eight. They return to play on October 27th, and there is at least some hope uh, from within the Texas camp that he's going to be able to do it. What was your impression of Shane Bouchel being able to come in, hit just enough big plays, and that Texas defense being able to hold on for a win as Baylor was even marching right at the end uh, with the chance to win that game, you know, like in the, in the, in the Texas 
sort of figuring them out and where where we look there. Like I am how about this? I didn't set off any alarms. I looked at that game, I saw the injury to Sam Ellinger and I I thought to myself, you know, you're in a little bit of a letdown spot and the fact that the letdown didn't end up being a loss and and you had the injury, I I think overall there's not a lot of concern on my part. Should get, I be concerned? They get a pass from me because of the injury. I I think that had they had it not been for that injury and had had uh, a Sam Ellinger led Texas team barely beaten Baylor, I would have been uh, a little bit concerned that maybe this isn't Texas isn't all the way back because what we talked about it they yeah they can they can show up Tom Herman's teams can show up for big games uh, but they got to win the ones they're supposed to win and they got to and they got to beat teams the way they're supposed to beat them so but I, I do think when you lose your starting quarterback even though you have a, a solid backup in Shane Buchel. Uh, you know that that poses some challenges. They did enough. They figured out a way. That's good enough for me. So Texas still status at back. <laughs> well, I mean, all right. Also, I'll, I'll, I yes, they are back. We're back. They're here. It's exciting. They're back. They're back until they're not back anymore. And they're almost they're almost back to not being back. Well, the 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 argument for ultimate Texas backness is that's maybe one of the hardest. Uh, measures to reach because they they won ten games ten plus games in nine straight years. Yeah, that's back for them's got to be in the Big Twelve championship game. Right. Um. Okay. The, another one where I'm willing to give a pass. Curious to hear what your thoughts are on that one. I'm. I kind of felt like Notre Dame Pitt played out the way that that plays out for Pittsburgh and that that plays out for Notre Dame. Agreed. Yeah. In retrospect. Picking like uh, on the expert picks, I think not that I called this one for a lock, but in the expert picks for CBS, I think I I, I put my tally under Notre Dame to cover the 21 points. And in, in hindsight, that was that was a silly thought. This is just feels like how it's going to happen. And look, I think we saw we saw the bad book. This is this was the bad book. He was the first half. He, he was good book, bad book. Yeah, we well, all we've seen is good book until now and now we know you know there's a bad book in there and first half he was antsy and Pitt had them all screwed up and they were they were swinging guys in from vines on blitzes and and, <laughs> and you know creating like type you know a lot of confusion for him and excuse me and he you know and he made some mistakes but Notre Dame defense held up their ends uh they even you know, the only one, only seven points were scored by the offense. Pitt seven more scored by a kick return to open the second half. So they survived all that, and then Ian Book in the second half kind of returned to form, and they made big plays when they counted. So to me, it's like, all right, now we've seen because it's still two different Notre Dame's. It's the first three games, and it's the second four games, and in the second four games, now we've seen the second team face adversity and overcome and figure out a way to win. And so I'm I'm not gonna I'm not gonna ding Notre Dame for that either. I'm still feeling good about this team and still feel like they're back. You know, they're validated as a you know as a playoff contender. All right, what about West Virginia? Because in in that same sense of like me believing that uh, Notre Dame's 19 to 14 low scoring, not gonna play well. Pittsburgh's gonna get uh, like a kick a special teams touchdown. Uh, West Virginia going to Ames at night because of the previous history of Iowa State taking care of top 10 and even just nationally ranked teams at home. There, there is, uh, there, there's part of me that wants to just fall back into allowing West Virginia to, to fit that mold. Like, oh man, this is what Iowa State does. Like this is, I mean, this is a reason why we discussed it as, you know, like a head's going to roll weekend is is there reason to to look at Will Greer's turnovers or to look at West Virginia's loss and be able to extrapolate much more from a West Virginia angle beyond like, well, that's what Iowa State does? Ah, uh, man, you got to come off that. They got absolutely spanked. This was a whooping. 498 yards of total offense <laughs> to 152. West Virginia Will, only had you, 152. Have you numbers? No, they had no, no, no. 152 no. yards of offense. Will Greer was 11 of 15 for 100 yards, 
and he had seven more pass attempts that didn't get away because he got sacked. He, I mean, they, uh, Iowa State, time of possession, Iowa State 37 minutes to 22. I mean, they, they just, like, this was just domination. And it, it was, I mean, West Virginia had nine first downs the whole game. They were one of ten on third down. Holy they, I cow. Mean, this is, I mean, they, this is just, I mean, that there was this game was never like West Virginia never had a chance. Um, better like Iowa State just was better, uh, and I'm mad at my. This is another one. I'm mad at myself for for doubting doubting the Cyclones. Listen, man, I, you but you also had the best expert picks week of. The, I just looked it up. You, I mean, yeah. we we crushed it on the locks. Like, don't get mad at yourself. All right, no, I know, <laughs> I know, but it's like it's one of those where, yeah, if you're if you're if you hit nine to ten from three, then you start thinking Think about, about man, the- how <laughs> I missed that one. But no, I mean, like it was fun. I mean, Iowa State. First of all, they're wearing all blacks. Like it didn't. It looked like um, I don't know who who you would call it. Like I don't. It looked like. I mean, it didn't look like Iowa State. Right. It looked like it looked like. I mean that that. And, and, and it was all the guys that, you know, early in the year, there have been moments where Iowa State, like Hakeem Butler hadn't shown up or David Montgomery. Like at the first, through the first four weeks of the season, Iowa State was like a, you know, bottom 100 in yards per attempt running. And this was the night where it all sort of was coming together. David Montgomery rushed for 189 yards. Hakeem Butler had 107 yards. And this dude, Brock Bird, Purdy, the true freshman, is, is, is a cool guy cool customer like he is he's good so uh i i like this iowa state team and i don't like this west virginia team that much it was real it, did you just need like a little hint of being ready to to double back on west virginia after we finally gave them some praise last I week know, right <laughs> i'm actually this is a this is still another one though where it's like whatever west virginia sucks but i'm sure they'll have their moments the rest of the way i'm more just excited that iowa state is looking like the Iowa State team that I kind of hoped that they would be before the season. We were talking about David Montgomery as maybe one of the best running backs in the country in July. Yeah, yeah, and I, I mean, and and I really, I mean, look, I think that this this is a, the kind of statement win. Look, if you look at Iowa State's schedule the rest of the way, uh, they've still got Texas to go. I mean, they could finish. This could be another one of those crazy Big Twelve years, man. Because they could, they could, I, I could see them winning out. They got two losses: one to Oklahoma and TCU. You know, if somehow Oklahoma pulls up another loss somewhere along the way, and Texas has got two, and uh, I don't know, this could just be one of those wild Big Twelve years. Because uh, I think I do think Iowa State's got it in them to 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 where this isn't a fluke. I know it was a night game and blackout and whatever, but uh, I mean, if they play like that, they'll be. They'll be trolled for everybody. Hey, just last year, they beat both of the teams that played in the Big 12 championship game, Oklahoma and TCU. Yeah, maybe that's the play. Maybe that's what's going to happen this year. They're going to have yeah. wins Texas, over... Te- Texas gets one more loss, and it's to Iowa State, and Iowa and Texas and Oklahoma rematch with Iowa State beating them both in the regular season. Um, Oklahoma got that win this year. You're right. Week yeah, three. Yeah, yeah. Um, all right. So speaking of conferences where things are getting sideways and really, really crazy, uh, the the unity, U N I T Y. Cashed in on Oregon and to like to even get the straight up win because the the picks pod group chat was popping as that uh, <laughs> as that game was winding down. And uh, for Oregon, man, like what what a great you you were having some funny tweets about this game, so I want you to elaborate on uh, what you were seeing out of what do you say Oraford or Stanigan, just like uh, this this physical like bully ball that's being run by the team that we're so used to just spreading and finessing their way to uh, to a whole bunch of points. Well, I don't think that that was me tweeting that. That may have been somebody else because uh, I don't remember doing that. But, but I mean, this was – I mean, it really was a good game. And it was a and, – and I know Washington, you know, missed a field goal that would have won it. But Oregon missed a chip shot earlier that would have put them up by three more. And, you know, it, it, sort of every, every special team's snafu that one team had, the other team had one to, 
to match it and every, every sort of they, they just kept on sort of answering each other's punches and uh I, but i think that this is i mean this foul this really validates oregon and and i do think washington is not quite as good as we thought they were but oregon's good man and oregon is and and yes oregon has got they are physical and and tough and nasty and they play with an edge and if you add that to a NFL quarterback and a and and an offense that's explosive that's really fun so i'm 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 pretty stoked about this Oregon team i this is a fun one this is a fun team to kind of keep tabs on so how do you think right now based on uh what we've seen how do you think that Pac-12 North plays out. Well, I mean, there's a there's a letdown opportunity next weekend at Washington State. Um, I mean, I think Oregon. To me, I think Oregon is the best team in the Pac-12. Ooh, I guess uh, I guess between Washington or Oregon, Washington, Oregon, Stanford. That's the conversation for the best in the Pac-12, and then you get to USC. Right, and USC, who knows? I mean, maybe they started to – I mean, maybe they start to get it together by the end of the year. I mean, USC can still probably beat anybody in the country on the, on the right night, but, you know, I don't care about a Colorado win. I still can't trust them. So, I, I mean, Oregon's ranked highest in the Pac-12, as they should be, and they – they they they're the team I'd be most scared to play in the Pac-12 if I was anybody else. Um, Oregon's fixing to run up on someone in a New Year's Six game. Yeah, like uh, let's see the semifinals. I think are the Orange Bowl and the Cotton Bowl this year. So it'll be Oregon in the Peach Bowl, just putting fifty on the loser of the SEC championship game. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I could see that play for sure. Um, so, yeah. So I, I, what else we got here? So I thought that Oregon was impressive. Um, what else caught your eye? All right. I also had on my list. Oh, uh, Florida. Oh, that was my game now. <laughs> yes. <laughs> That was my game. Dude, Derek Mason is picking fights with everybody. Or, excuse me, he's not picking fights, but Derek Derek Mason is not uh, going to ignore... you. If you're going to bring it, Derek Mason's not going to be backed into a corner. Yeah, but... So, I mean, look, when I was, I was... I'm a recovering meathead, and when I was in college, you know, we would get in fights and stuff, and, you know, there was always... there. You're always talking the loudest when you got homeboy next to you that's you know gonna play in the NFL and is six foot six, two hundred fifty pounds. That was my my guy. You know when you know you the, the chirping gets a little bit louder when when he rolls up because you know everyone's gonna back down. Mason was chirping with CJ IU, his defensive line coach next to him, former NFL lineman who was just just mean mugging the whole Florida sideline like he was probably the baddest dude out there. And uh, and Todd Grantham and Dan Mullen were pulling the you know hold me back card. Yeah, uh, it was that was that was entertainment. And by the way, not the first time that Todd Grantham has gotten in a yelling match with a Vanderbilt coach. Uh, also did this when James Franklin was there and and pulled the old fu like nearly got, got in a fight in the post game handshake or something. Oh yes, oh Remember man, that? yes 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 yeah. Todd Todd Grantham freaking hates nerds man he plays when he vandy he gets his he gets his blood boiling just wants to just wants to pound some nerds <laughs> why does todd grantham hate nerds <laughs> that might be the podcast uh headline for the week uh but the nerds almost got him yeah i mean uh like i i, I filed that one away again gonna gonna have to put some more eyes on it but i, I filed that one away is probably the the letdown spot for florida but then the bonus point like you you almost impressed me more 
in the letdown spot when I see you go down early and then you battle back and get the 10-point win. Yeah, and there was never – I mean, Vandy choked it away a little. But, like, Vandy wasn't just – they didn't just feed him. A, like, Florida just went and started kind of kind of balling out and just and, – and in some ways that little fight may have ignited them, woke them up a little bit. But, um, yeah, I mean, that, they were just – they were just too much, and and it didn't hurt. It didn't help that Vandy's the one guy that was really sort of a Florida level athlete at Vanderbilt, which is Keyshawn Vaughn, the running back transfer from Illinois, uh, got hurt after sort of making the explosive plays that got Vander up, Vandy up in the first place. But um, but yeah, man, we had fake punts, we had uh, we had turnovers, we had special teams plays. We had, I mean, it was that game was fun. This is the part of the year where we have we've we've seen coaches start to dip in, start start to feel a little frisky. It's been awesome, <laughs> you know. Like the we, I mean, I was the the Georgia fake field goal, which I did not hate for the record. Um, really, you didn't? Nah, Rodrigo Blankenship's a good athlete. Like to to think that to think that he would have a shot to be able to get out there and and get that. I I don't think it was insane. I mean. That was a hell of a play by Grant Delpit. Yeah, I mean that's again. I, I just found I found myself in that situation going back to awarding LSU some points. Okay, uh, I I was cooking this take up. It's got to be unleashed, but it it fought, it sort of packages itself into this conversation, especially with the the Big Twelve and the Pac Twelve sort of all cannibalizing each other with where they started in the. Uh, rankings and and everything else at the beginning of the year and having already survived its toughest test and given that South Florida as potentially fraudulent as they might be as a ranked team has continued to win. So fraudulent. I think UCF can make the playoff. I think it can have, I think this year it can happen and let me take it one step further. It's going to be because we got to have a two of McKenzie Milton showdown in the semifinal. Do you really believe that though? No, I want it. I want uh, a, no, I, w- I want a month of David and Goliath hype before Alabama wins 38 nothing. But like Alabama one seed, UCF, the first group of 5 team to make the college football playoff, doing it on a, you know, what 26 game winning streak or whatever they'll be on at that time. And then you've got those two quarterbacks who are both very, very good. That that one four matchup, just with everything else that's happening in college football, Georgia no longer looking like uh, a college football playoff lock. I I believe that UCF this year, you know, in a, in a way that we might not see again for a couple years, UCF has a chance to be the first group of five representative in the college football playoff. I don't know. Well, look, I don't know. I mean, I guess they do have their their opportunity. I mean, they play the best teams late here. They got beat Memphis, Temple in a couple weeks, Cincinnati and USF with Navy mixed in there. So maybe they. Like, I just don't see anybody like thinking. I feel like last year UCF was number twenty at this time last year. They're number ten right now. Well, yeah, that's fair. I don't know. So maybe I'm just sort of misremembering. But like, I feel like last year we suspected that they were I don't I just I'm not tempted to like think they're one of the top four teams in the country I I guess I didn't last year either until they went and handled Auburn so yeah maybe you're right I just have a hard I think it's gonna be hard for for voters and committee members to get over it's gonna take majorly flawed resumes elsewhere for them to have a chance I don't think that they're gonna be like considered a consensus top four team I -hmm. think it's gonna take like They'll have to back in almost. Right. I mean, if it's uh, like if Georgia enters the – if Georgia loses again um, and does not win the SEC championship, if – you know, you could – you know, there's, there's a very realistic scenario where it's Alabama, Ohio State, Clemson, and UCF. Well – uh, I will not be as excited for that as you will be. Oh, baby! That's I want all I want. I want give me like, give me like LSU in there. One loss LSU and the two loss LSU in there. Shoot over UCF. You know, give me, but but 
hey, maybe I'll change my mind if they give me a give me a blowout win, like a thirty point win over Temple and a twenty eight point win over uh, Cincinnati, and and you know put forty on put forty put forty five on USF, and then maybe I'll I'll change my mind. So you you want you want to see just like ridiculous totals before to be able to buy back in on that. Yeah, I want you UCF's got to do something silly. Cuz the problem is Memphis already has 3 con- Oh no, Memphis only ha- Yeah, Memphis already has 3 conference losses. Yeah, Memphis the, need to win that. Their most likely opponent in the AAC title game is Houston. Did you by the way, did you see the end of the Memphis game? I did they, not. They I mean they should have won it. They they totally they totally screwed up the clock management late in the game. Uh, they actually got a a first down in in field goal range, or at least close to field goal range, and the dude was celebrating his first down while the clock was ticking away, and it took him forever to get another play run. And you know they had you know as well as deals was like fifty seconds left when he caught it, and then they ran two plays and time ran out in field goal range. So it was not a it wasn't a good look, and they should have won it really. Um. Okay, so UCF, not concerned about Notre Dame. Uh, crazy to think that uh, we're we were the what 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 will be your favorite memory of Cal's time in the top twenty five in twenty eighteen? <laughs> <laughs> yeah (laughs) like for well by and by the way shout out to chip kelly we knew that the light was going to come on for ucla at some point but uh yeah that was that was me looking up fair about cal though they they made a move at quarterback they're playing a brandon McElwain at quarterback the guy that was run out of town by Jake Bentley out of South Carolina. But they've been playing two quarterbacks for like the last three games. Who the hell knows who's playing quarterback anymore for Cal? But yes, this is the the uh, it, it'll be it'll be fond memories to, to harken back to the, <laughs> for Cal's time the Halcyon days of, <laughs> of Cal's day <laughs> in the top twenty five. Man, I I got it's, it. it. Almost as almost as fond of memory as BYU's days. Though BYU showed up with a new quarterback and 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 did some work on Hawaii, so that was that was at least. Um, are are you are you going credit UVA or big time eyeball emojis at Mark Richt for that Virginia Miami result? Well, you you and I both called this one, and yeah. I picked I picked Virginia to win this game in our expert like. Not just cover, but win. Agree. So Same. I'm not. I am not surprised this happened. And even when I look at the stats, I mean, Virginia only had 220 yards of offense or something, but it felt like they were in control of the game the whole time. Like it never. It felt like from the from the jump, Virginia was going to win this game. And so I do think we've, you know, Miami's the, the old problems of Miami aren't fixed. They're still. Yeah, they went. You know, they went to Malik Rozier during that game. Yeah, uh, over the course of the game, and they, you know, they just. I was watching with Jenna Medvig, uh, who's a big time Miami fan. She was screaming, watching it on her iPad at dinner. Yeah, that had to be. Yeah, that wouldn't that wouldn't have been a fun game to watch. As no, a fan. no, no, no. Uh, so no, I mean, I think this is this is still the flawed Miami team that we, uh, you know, that this sort. This is like we talk about like LSU being like. Best case, best case vision of what this team could be. Miami is—I wouldn't say worst case, but it's—it's it's like a—it's not a good. It's—it's the—it is what we sort of thought they might be. You know, all, all the all the warts are showing. Um, Gus Malzahn, hello. Ooh. Ooh. We can't get out of here without talking about Ooh. Auburn. Yeah, man. Uh, that one was interesting. Uh, I mean, Jarrett Stidham. First of all, there was a there was a post this week on the Auburn site on twenty four seven Sports. Um, Brandon Marcello, uh, who you know, go read the go read the site, subscribe, uh, you subscribe, know, uh, do all that. Because if you read it last week, you may have been a little bit skeptical that Auburn was going to win or cover this week because the the locker room is just a mess. It appears, uh, and. And 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 part of the problem is I don't. It, it appears there's dwindling belief in Jarrett Stidham, which is understandable. Um, but 
at what point is this just I mean, this is just this is an offense that looks horrible. Horrible. They can't run the ball. The quarterback looks totally out of whack. Um and Tennessee, you know, there's if you're gonna beat Auburn, a good way to do it is make big plays downfield in the pass game. And that's what they do. I mean, they got Marquez Callaway and Juwan Jennings and guys that can go up and get the ball. And Jarrett and uh, Derek Guarantano is is did his thing. And Tennessee, I mean, they got a couple breaks, but I mean, Auburn was the one that gave them those breaks. Um, Tennessee was better, and so this is going to be this could get ugly this year for Auburn. I mean, I don't know where they go from here. I don't know. I don't know how they start getting back on track. I mean, this is just not a team that looks like they just don't look like a good football team. LSU and, 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 they, and they're regressing. They're like yeah, they're, yeah, worse they're getting week. worse. Uh, and it's like that happened uh and then you know I was I was like, "Oof, man, that stinks for Washington and LSU. Washington loses and then you know, L- LSU gets the win against Georgia, which it's profile badly needed because the Miami win and the Auburn win it's two best wins and we were saying that LSU through three weeks had the best resume in the country they don't they don't look that great anymore no yeah I mean this is again when I talk about like making our our top 40 or top 25 or whatever CBS like you got to start paying attention to who's who's getting better who's getting worse LSU seems like they're getting better Auburn seems like they're getting worse Tennessee's getting better um you know, a lot of teams are getting better. Arkansas is getting better. I mean, Tennessee. I don't know, man. That's that's a bad loss at home. No, it is a bad loss. But Tennessee's Tennessee looked like I mean they're improving. I think you got to be really excited. It, even though Auburn looks horrible, I think if you're a Tennessee fan, man, you're you're pumped about just the the strides this this team is making. Okay, so we talked about Georgia's offense, Penn State, Auburn, TCU loss, Texas close win, UCF, Florida, Oklahoma State briefly. I don't have can any we, big takes there. Can we talk briefly about Arter Sitkowski's day for Rutgers? <laughs> I only saw the box score. I wouldn't dare allow my eyes to feast on what that was. Two of 16 for eight yards and four interceptions. Oh, God. I mean – we were talking about. I'll give props to my guy Charles Power at Twenty Four Seven Sports. He he made this comparison in uh, in in our chat over the weekend. It's like Sitkowski's like when a you know taking a long drive contest winner and and putting him on the PGA Tour because the dude's big and he's got a huge arm, but you can't just throw him in the game and expect that to work. Like right. It's it's a whole different deal. And so in in a way, like I, I kind of blame the coaching staff for putting him in there when he's not ready. And, and by the way, another, um, comparison, like Chris Ash to me feels like a Belichick assistant in the NFL, like get Bill Belichick on him and, and teams think he's going to be the next guy as a head coach somewhere. Right. Chris Ash got a little, a little, um, urban Meyer on him, thought he's going to be the next thing. And it's just not, it just doesn't seem like it's going to be, doesn't seem like it's going to work. Yeah, uh, bad, bad, bad days for Rutgers ahead. That's uh, that's that's not is Ru- is Rutgers the bottom of Power Five football right now? Oh yeah, I don't yeah. Know how could be any lower. Um, there's so much to talk about. We I don't I, I guess we gotta we gotta end this soon. But I mean, you know, there was Nebraska. We've got a just, Tuesday show. We've got a Wednesday show. We can we can backload topics. It's okay. Le- Nebraska gave an. Gave away oh. when uh, Purdue is back to being Jeff Brom. Purdue, uh, Scott, Fro- sh- not Scott, Scott Frost. The way it was described in his post game press conference was that it wasn't even angry; it was just more somber. Uh, yeah, he he admitted that all of the losses had taken a lot out of him as a person, a lot out of this locker room. And that he really feels bad for the seniors on the team because their final year of football at Nebraska, it's like already sealed. It is not going to be a success. Right. Yeah. And that's really a tough place. That, that is a I tough mean, place to be right now. Clayton Thorson just went ham in the fourth quarter. 
Um, Texas A&M winning at South Carolina. I figure any game at Williams-Brice Stadium is going to get really, really weird. Congrats to Texas A&M for finding a way to win that game. Yeah. uh, Yeah, agreed. Agreed. They won. Give them the win. (coughs) Tua gets hurt, but not really. He'll be back. Yeah. Uh, So nothing to worry about there. So much disrespect. Yeah, no, Tua could have gone back in. I just didn't think it was worth it. Yeah. Um, yeah, man. Uh, this, yeah, it was a good week. It was a good week, dude. You feel you feel good. <laughs> I feel very satisfied. <laughs> I mean, a full eight and eight and a week. Good shake. A head's gonna roll week where the heads rolled and the syndicate just cashed it in. Yeah, it's a good week. Yeah, yeah. It's um, you know, the fall hit. Uh, I got a I got I got a cold. Everyone in my house has a cold, but football season is is, is you know football season is treating us right, and so you know you take the good with the bad during football season. Yeah, Hurricane weather. Michael brought like took all that hot sticky weather out of North Carolina. I came home and it was sixty degrees. Yeah, yeah, feels like feels like fall. Good stuff. Uh, he is Barton Simmons. You can follow him on Twitter at Barton Simmons. You can follow me at Chip underscore Patterson. As I mentioned before, uh, we will have new shows coming on Tuesday, Wednesday, and then, yeah, because you know you want it, especially coming off a hot week like that. You got the Locks Pod coming on Thursday. Barton, thank you very much. Thursday.